Welcome to the Global Watch Prayer Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we build community in prayer to empower the church from local expressions to global connections. For more information and resources on the Global Watch, visit theglobalwatch.com. We want to welcome you. This is the Global Watch International Call. It is March 23rd, 2022, 3 p.m. Jerusalem time. And this hour is the Israel Watch, which we're always excited about and tuned into. Karen Davis from Mount Carmel in Israel is the overall leader. And for this hour, Susan Hagee is going to be leading. And so we just want to bless the both of you, both Esthers. And uh, by the way, since the Esther call and Esther decree, I'm just seeing Esthers all over the place. So we're, we just want to <laughs> release that anointing to not only to you, but to every woman who is on the call. We just declare in Jesus' name, in Yeshua's name, that, that you are Esther, Susan, and, and Karen, and that the Lord is going to show you, going to give you wisdom and insight into what that actually means for this hour and for your lives and for the people that you minister to and that you lead. And so we just say that one of the characteristics of Esther was that she was bold. And uh, so we just declare great boldness over you in the days ahead. We just declare God's wisdom and his favor on you. And may he release just a spirit of just revelation, wisdom and revelation. We just declare renewed strength and uh, great protection. And no harm would come to destruction near your tent. That means no illnesses, no accidents, no injuries, no, no crises that are going to interfere with what God's called you to do in any way. And we just declare today... May the joy of the Lord be your strength in Yeshua's name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Fred. And Lord, we thank you for Fred being a Mordechai and all the other Mordechais that are on this call and that you're raising up in this hour. I know we're all just still trying to process all that the intensity of not just last week, the last six weeks, but those last three days of the Esther call were really, really quite powerful and hallelujah so with a new week praise god i just i just really wanted to start by blessing the lord (laughs) hallelujah lord we're confident that you're going to give us your heart today hallelujah hallelujah Rich in love. 
thousand reasons for my heart to find. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. Worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul. I'll worship Your holy name. And that day when my strength is failing, the end draws near and my time. praise unending hallelujah ten thousand years and forever more bless the lord oh my soul oh my soul worship his holy name sing like never before oh my soul i'll worship Thank you. 
talking about the subject of trauma and suffering and I just want to say before I say anything else that Karen did a teaching recently having to do with trauma and suffering and praising God in the midst of it and singing in the midst of it it was an excellent teaching I would suggest it to anyone that, that you go and, and hear that but again, our, we're going to be talking about trauma and suffering as it relates to both the Holocaust and those in the Ukraine crisis. Uh, I'd like to read Psalm 13. How long, Adonai, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I keep asking myself what to do with sorrow in my heart every day? How long must my enemy dominate me? Look and answer to me, O Adonai, my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. Then my enemy would say, I was able to beat him, and my adversaries would rejoice at my downfall. But I trust in your grace. My heart rejoices as you bring me to safety. I will sing to Adonai, because he gives me even more than I need. We know that God was with those in the Holocaust, and he is present today with those who are suffering. Shua suffered, and he understands everything. But we're not defined by our own trauma. None of them are defined by that trauma. Our identity is in Yeshua. But through the trauma and suffering, we have an opportunity to draw closer to God. Today, I've asked John and Angela. John originally is from the U.S., Angela originally from Ukraine. And they married in Ukraine and both live in Texas now. And they're great friends. They're wonderful people every year, except for COVID years. They've been here to visit Holocaust survivors. And uh, they'll be coming next week. I'm very glad they're able to come back. So they're going to open your eyes today and your heart today about the trauma and suffering between the Holocaust and today. John? Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for your commitment to take time to hear. We pray the Lord will truly speak to all of us, speak to our hearts, and uh, give us his word on how to respond to what's happening in the world today. Since 2010, uh, we've been active in Israel, working together with Holocaust survivors and have developed 
very close relationships with many. And one example of the trauma of the Holocaust, one of um, the dearest people we've ever met in life, her name was Rayla. And uh, we remember the pain and suffering that even in her very elderly years, how she told us that what she suffered played over and over in her mind before her eyes day and night, like a, a horror movie, over and over. She was a young mother during the time when the Germans came in and occupied her town. Her husband escaped to go fight with the partisans, and she and her two small children were taken and uh, put on trains for evacuation to the concentration camps. Along the way, they stopped the train and took the children off of the trains um, out of the wagons and kept the mothers on the wagons themselves. And they watched from the wagons through the bars. They watched the fascists shoot their children. She saw her two little ones shot and killed. And she then went uh, to the war, endured terrible suffering, unbelievable suffering. And uh, we've heard so many terrible, uh, tragic stories from these people. We understand how it is from their testimony to lose everything, to lose their family, to lose their home, to lose all their life possessions and have nothing to return to. And today, as we look to what's happening in Ukraine, we understand for some of the survivors who did survive the Holocaust that the hell was not finished for their lives. And if you would show the picture, please, Boris Romanchenko. There. This is Boris Romanchenko, 96 years old. He survived Buchenwald concentration camp, the camps at Penemunde, Dora Mit Mittelbau, and Bergen-Belsen. He survived all that and was a resident of Kharkiv in Ukraine. And this week, his life ended when a missile hit his apartment and there are pictures that I cannot show you. Thank you. That's good. There are pictures I cannot show you of his burned out apartment and his cremated uh, remains from um, a man who survived so much and yet the horror returned to him this week and ended his life. There are so many other stories in just the last couple of days I want to say something, though, before I relate some of this about the trauma of what's happening in Ukraine, even in the last couple of days. A long time ago, the Lord taught me something about seeing through his eyes. He said, he showed me that in order to understand the trauma and the pain and suffering of others, you have to personalize it. When I was a young Christian, I was listening to, to the news one day. And I heard about a private airplane crash, a small airplane with everyone on board. It crashed. And I thought in my heart, that's very sad. But I was about to go on with my life until they mentioned who was on the airplane. 
And when they said who was on the airplane, it was someone who was dear to me, who I loved, who I adored. And then suddenly it arrested me. And I felt the pain. And it, it became a priority for me in that time period to pray for the families of the loved ones of those who remain behind and to feel that suffering for the moment. The Lord showed me that until it became personal, I didn't approach it. I didn't focus on it. I didn't feel it like the Lord feels. You see, we're going to look just briefly this morning or this afternoon for most of you. We're going to see how it is uh, with the folks who are suffering now, the trauma, the pain. The Lord takes each of those cases. He takes it personally. Okay, we hear of the, the masses, we hear of the large numbers, and it's just a number, it's a figure, but the Lord looks on each one and takes it, takes it personally, that each one is precious, and we need to understand that as I look through the news in the, just the last few days, this is day, what, 27, 28th day, but in just the last couple of days, stories like uh, a father and son, they're walking to go find some food so the family will have food. And they were shot down in the street. And the son saw his father shot and killed in front of him. And the son was wounded and he was able to run away and escape. And I think of our children and our grandchildren. We have to personalize that and put ourselves in that place to understand the pain and the suffering. A missile hit a, a senior home in the city of Cremina, and 56 people in just that instant were killed. It's like a bait avot. You think of a nursing home and the, the, the grandparents in this place, and in, in one instance, 56 were killed. I saw yesterday the video of a man who is burying his two-year-old son and questioning how this could happen, that a two-year-old child, his life has ended. We were watching a video of a destroyed building, and as they dug through it, they found a little six-year-old boy. They pulled him out, and one of the, I think the worst thing you can see in life is to see a lifeless child whose head and arms are hanging out limp, and they worked and worked to revive this little one, but they couldn't. Then I read yesterday a letter from a brother, one brother in Mariupol. If you know about Mariupol, on February 24th, Mariupol was a city of 300,000. Now it's a city that's 90% destroyed. There are about 100,000 people remaining. They have no electricity. They have no food, they have no water, they're cut off from the rest of the world and they're getting shelled. They average every 10 minutes, a missile or a rocket is hitting their city. And I read a letter of one brother to his other brother and this is what he wrote. Dima, 
Mom was killed on 9th of March, 2022. She died quickly. The house has burned down afterwards. Dima, I'm sorry I could not save her. I have buried mom next to a kindergarten and he drew a map and the map shows what direction to look, a tree that's marked, a heating pipeline next to it and a fence sign. And you understand why this brother wrote to Dima? Because he believes he will not survive in Mariupol because <clears throat> their city is being totally annihilated. So this is for someday in the future when Dima's brother, if he survives, can come and locate where they had to bury there in Mariupol and so many other places now in Ukraine, there are so many dead and there's no place to bury them. Most of the hospitals in those regions have been destroyed. Those hospitals that would take the remains and deal with that. And so they told the people, you need to put the bodies in a cold place, put them in a basement. But the problem is that the people are in the basement trying to survive the bombing and shelling. So now they're just laying them out on the street, the bodies around these cities. And now yesterday, a report north of Kiev in one of the towns in the suburb of Kiev, there's a 34-year-old woman. Two drunken invaders came into their house and shot this woman's husband, killed him. And then they raped her multiple times in front of her child. And they threatened her that if she resisted, they would shoot her child. So this is pain. This is trauma. This is suffering uh, in the worst degree. No matter what we label it, uh, this kind of suffering can't be matched. And so it's up to us to understand how do we as believers respond to that right now. I've given you some details and I'm sorry that I have to speak this way. But again, we have to understand looking from uh, the perspective of the Lord, how he sees it. And uh, I want to read to you today from the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter 7. I want to read verses 11 through 17 so we can get a perspective on how the Lord sees it. Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 17. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son you see how the Lord makes sure you understand that you need to feel the pain of this woman, the only son. She is a widow. She has nothing left in life. Her only son, the only son of his mother, and she is a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, you, you see where the Lord's focus is on? not the dead son, but on the one who has lost so much and lives and, and is surviving through this pain and torment. When the Lord saw her, his heart 
went out to her and he said, don't cry. Now where it says in our version, his heart went out to her, it says in other versions, the Lord had compassion on her. And this word is very important to understand. In the Greek, it's it, this original word here is splanchnizomai, splanchnizomai. And it means to have compassion on someone, to be moved as to one's inner parts from your most inner being to be moved to feel tenderness and affection it's more than just feeling sorry though this word has deeper meaning it means a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another suffering or misfortune accompanied by listen to this not only is there that feeling of sorrow and pain with a some, someone, but it is accompanied by a desire to alleviate the pain or remove its cause. This is God's compassion. He doesn't just feel sorry for us. He doesn't just weep over our pain and suffering, but always with it is the accompanied motivation to act to respond, I will alleviate the pain or remove its cause. And every time this word is used in the New Testament, that is what happens. Not only is there the empathy being in that person's shoes, but also there is the act of, I'm going to do all in my power to alleviate that pain and remove its cause. And this word used here, splanchnizomai, compassion of God, is the very same word that's used in different places like Luke chapter 10, verse 33. The story Jesus told about the Good Samaritan. The Good Samaritan had splanchnizomai on the victim. He not only felt pain for that victim, but he did everything in his power to alleviate the pain and remove its cause. And then in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, he, when he saw the crowds, those crowds that had been with him for so long and uh, without food, and that, it said he had compassion on them. The same word of feeling the pain, feeling the need, and also responding with action. In Mark chapter 1, verse 41, again, the same word is used when he looked on the man with leprosy. He didn't just sit there and feel sorry for him, but he moved with compassion. The Lord speaks from his perspective about our pain and suffering in Isaiah chapter 63, verse 9. Isaiah chapter 63 verse 9. It says, in all their distress, he too was distressed. In all their distress, all, he too was distressed. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Not only did he see their suffering, not only was he distressed because of their suffering, but he responded.
responded, and that's who our God is, a faithful God, the God of compassion. He doesn't leave us alone in our pain and in our suffering. And we, as believers, we need to respond as he responds. We need to pray to see what the Lord sees. We need to pray to sense and feel, to personalize this. These are my people. I don't care what nationality. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, I am. I am a child of God, and I must take care of the people that he has put in my, in, in my place in this world. 